a British Latino Network production. Welcome back to another episode of the British Latino Network podcast. I'm very happy to say that today we have Betty Encinales with us uh, as a guest on, on our podcast and featuring on our series of Hispanic Heritage Month um, throughout the month of September and continuing until mid-October. Betty Encinales is an entrepreneur, she's a business owner, keynote speaker, she graduated from NSC, she's also a multi-marathon runner. Um, There's a lot of ways to describe uh, Betty Encinales, she's definitely done a lot and it's an absolute pleasure to be able to talk to her today. Betty, thank you for coming on and how are you doing? Diego, first of all, thank you so much for inviting me. It's a privilege for me to be part of this series of the podcast of your initiative. And I hope that my experience and had or will inspire many others that are in uh, from Latin America that are moving to the, to England. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, thank you. Thank you for coming on. Um, I was very keen to, to be able to talk to you because, you know, I, as I said, you know, there's a lot definitely a lot that you've done and I think it'll be um, this is going to be a very valuable conversation for me and also you know most importantly for the listeners I think that there's a lot of um, experience and advice and knowledge that we can take from from your life experience and your career experience um, you. so yeah it's an absolute pleasure and yeah we're gonna go straight into it um, so I, I've obviously done some 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 research into you you know talked a bit but for those who are, who are listening to this podcast and it's their first time hearing about you, if you could maybe just give, give us a brief introduction to your background um, for our listeners. Yeah, of course. Well, my name is Betty, a uh, very American name, uh, but I'm actually from Bogota, Colombia. Mm-hmm. I live in Colombia until I was 18 years old. Um, due to insecurity issues for my family back in the 90s when it was all the narco-traffic and the war, the civil war in my country, I moved to London in 1999. Um, in, and actually from there on I studied university. I had the privilege to study well in, in, a, in Schiller University, then I moved to Greenwich and also studied at LSE. And uh, well, after that, I had the opportunity to work for a few big name companies, international companies such as um, Capital Economics. I also worked for Thomson Reuters and the Financial Times in new business, leading some teams. So that was kind of um, what I did when I when I the the, the first coming like the, the first years. Um, after I arrived to England and then after in eight years ago I decided to start my own company mm-hmm. and I work always in within sales in, in financial services and um, and then I had the opportunity to start my own company working within recruitment so for those who knows what's recruitment is basically finding people with the right skills right skills to go and work for big corporations or small corporations so I my job is to find talent um, for those companies, and so they can ha- have, um, well, they have a career. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I do. Also, very passionate about the sports, uh, endurance sports. So I have done, as you said before, a few marathons, and also love doing Ironman. Also, 
I fundraise for different organizations mm -hmm. that help uh, children in Latin America. And also, I'm involved on writing some articles about recruitment um, throughout different channels. Um, and yeah, that's on a nutshell what I do for a living. Yeah, yeah, quite the um, quite the range. There's a lot. <laughs> yes. So I mean, so okay, so starting a bit, uh, starting from the beginning, I guess. Um, so you know, you've obviously developed a lot of skills, a lot of knowledge, and you've gone into pretty much different, you know, what's obviously within the, 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 the limits of business, but you've done a lot in different things like recruitment, finance. Um, but when you started out, so when you were 18 and you were in Colombia growing up, what was your initial, you know, career objectives? Did you always know you wanted to, to work in finance and eventually move or how did this sort of all come about? No, Diego, actually, I was completely a messy uh, child and teenager. Yeah. I think that I would, I, as you said, I mean, I've a, I'm a very multi-passionate person. So for me, I've always been passionate about art, human beings. I'm passionate about literature. I'm passionate about politics. Um, so many things. So it's never, it was never easy for me to to know exactly what I wanted to do. I knew I, I was a leader since I was a kid because I always like to lead projects and I achieve a lot of the projects I lead in the past. But I never, I was not a very good student. Um, in fact, I was one of the worst students in my class um, back in school. And so that also, back in the day, it was quite difficult because it was very traditional careers that you have to follow, especially in Colombia. I think that a lot of the parents always wanted you to, to follow the, 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 like the law career or the, the, the medicine career. And I was in none of those boxes, let's say, I kind of always thought I I was, I love art, but I was lost. So the initiative, like when I finished uh, school, I studied medicine for a semester and then I moved into law and that also didn't work out. And then when I moved to England, then I had to start a new career in international business. So as you, I mean, answering your question, I never have a clue of what I wanted to do. And I can tell you something. I mean, I think life has taught me through the years that it's okay to start again. And it's also okay if you're not only, if you know all the answers so early in your, in your life. Mm -hmm. And I think that was my path. I never knew 100%, but I think uh, throughout the process of the journey, I start finding more and more answers of what I didn't like and what I did want for my life. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. I definitely agree. I think um, it can be a lot of pressure initially. You know, when we're like 15, 16, to make these career-defining decisions where we decide if we want to become a lawyer, or an engineer, or a doctor, and mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily always have to go down that route. You know, there's there's different. Your your case is an example, and I'm sure there's obviously many more examples like that where. Um, Sometimes it just takes a bit of life experience and being able to understand, you know, where you thrive and where you're better, where you do better. Um, yeah. So when you when you came to London, though, how did you then decide business was was the thing for you? Because you've done medicine, you've done law. Um, so how did you know it was business? <laughs> oh, I didn't know. I just literally. Yeah. I mean, I'll be very honest with you. I I was in my half of career in uh, a university in Colombia, yeah. having studied law, as I said, 
And when I um, when I moved to London, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I actually asked administration and I asked them, what can I kind of uh, see, like change, uh, kind of exchange of classes? Mm-hmm. And they said to me, look, it looks like you took a lot of business classes when you were studying law. Mm-hmm. So probably if you want to start from zero, maybe you're going to start from second year if we transfer some of the credits that you have from university. Mm-hmm. And that will be for you studying business and I thought okay then that's it and that's how I end up studying business um but you know what um looking back I think that once was destiny for sure but secondly I think that somehow it kind of fit a lot my personality I think I learned a lot of classes about um public relations how to do budgeting and marketing and Later on in my life, I also realized that, I mean, university was interesting and I learned a lot about um, academic things. However, I think that the best school I've ever had, Diego, has been for sure life school. And all the things I've learned is through practice and to failing and to, um, that has been my my biggest learn, um, not at university, but actually throughout um, the life, living it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think... Uh, life definitely teaches you these lessons at a faster rate and they've got a bit more serious consequences than than university yeah. so so no definitely I agree so when you move to when you move to to London um, you know you, you took on the opportunity of doing business at university um, did you already know English or did this sort of present new challenges you know because you were coming from Colombia and now you're here in the UK studying in, in studying in, in English how was that transition for you It was painful because I didn't speak English. Unfortunately, I had the opportunity to learn English back when I was at school and I never, I was never interested because I never thought I would ever move out of Colombia. Mm-hmm. And back in the day, speaking English wasn't as important as it is today. Mm-hmm. So I didn't learn English. I, when I came to the UK, I had to start from zero, pretty much knowing uh, my name is Betty and I'm from Colombia. Mm-hmm. And that was it. So first was very painful, uh, challenging, uh, frustrating, especially frustrating because you you feel like a kid, you feel like a four-year-old, you know, and your your life back in your hometown and the life that you created and the university friends and and everything, you have to really leave that behind and start from being a foreigner, uh, not understanding anything, people laughing at you not being able to communicate, which is super frustrating for those who are listening. I'm sure that yeah. um, you might understand how, how you feel. Um, that was very frustrating, um, especially getting a job, trying to get the train correct, trying to get directions correct. Yeah. So that was very challenging. Um, and I think um, for me, the most important thing was when I was able to understand the language. Mm-hmm. That really, really changed completely my game. Let's say. Yeah. 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 Okay. And so after you did, you know, you did university, you eventually went out and you started to look for for jobs. Um, yeah. How was that? Was that job search? Was it challenging? Oh, <laughs> I I mean, it was so bad. It was terrible. And and. 
I think that's why the idea of become a recruiter started. Mm-hmm. Um, it was tough for many reasons. First reason was because um, of the, like legal reasons, legal reasons like I didn't, I wasn't British. Right. So first of all, um, and I don't know how things are working right now, but back in the day, the Home Office obviously have um, like uh, they they only kind of gave jobs first to you like UK citizens, secondly to Europeans yeah. and then everybody else. But um, in that bunch of like people, obviously you never came into the list of priorities for any company. So first of all, my, my biggest challenge was not being English, being British, that, that was the biggest challenge. Secondly, I think the other challenge I have was that because my name is Betty Encinales and my last name definitely is a Spanish, um, Latino last name. Yeah. People knew that I wasn't British, so like straight away, I never got interviews. Mm-hmm. Um, the third challenge was that obviously, although I speak English properly, um, I always it's never been like a British from a British person. Yeah. So um, those were also challenging times because I didn't manage a language or a lingo that was kind of um, so professional because I didn't really work. Um, so that was another challenge, um, but I managed, and, and the question was like, I managed because I, after a long time of being frustrated, I think I applied Diego for hundreds of jobs, not mm-hmm. getting any answer whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of beg- like banging the same wall, you know, you, you apply, you get rejection, you sometimes don't even get a rejection, you just get zero and you just get completely out of energy and, and out of hope. So what I did um, back then was talking to a friend of mine who was British and I said, look, I am about to give up. I really want to be here, but I can't find a job. And he actually was a recruiter. Mm-hmm. He spent some time and kind of really guided me on how my CV was really not looking good. It was complete copy that I kind of find uh, on the internet and that was the truth. I didn't know how to do a CV properly. I didn't know how to interview properly. I didn't know what I was good and what I was bad because it was my first kind of approach to trying to find a job. Yeah. And and that was kind of the work we did together with this headhunter. And and after that, I kind of tailored my, my CV and I started putting the strengths and what makes me different, not what makes me the same to everybody else. Right. And I highlight a lot of things about uh, my my language skills that I speak. Um, obviously, I speak Spanish. I speak some French as well. Yeah. Um, and and the fact that I knew that that I mean that I used to work as well with the Latin American community, and that was kind of what I highlight the most. And that actually was my entry to the first position I have back in London. It was managing. Um, the Latin American market for a company, and that's why I I kind of stand out for the crowd when I apply for that job. Right, right. Okay, so it was definitely um, <clears throat> challenging initially, but through determination and consistency, and obviously the support of this person as well, um, you, you eventually managed to to get your first job. So from then on, your your career began progressing quite a lot. And you know you went into into finance. You started, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, you worked for the Financial Times. Yeah. Um, so you obviously, you know, you, you sort of in terms of the 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 scope of, or well, I guess the the sort of the levels of 
of uh, organizations you were working with started to grow more and more and um, you know you start to get more established in your career but something that that you mentioned and something which I think is very important and relevant considering this Hispanic Heritage Month is that you found it or you felt that because your surname was Encinales um, mm-hmm. that caused you know some sort of disadvantage um, yep. so Obviously, now you're on the other end because you're a recruit. You also work as a headhunter, so you also see the other, yeah. the other end as well. How how real yeah. is that? Like, is that a, a true thing that you know um, people see? I remember, for example, a few a few years ago, I, I watched this um this video where they did like a study in Canada, and mm-hmm. it was basically where it was a group of people who was who were applying for a job. And they staggered their application. So one one person sent uh, sent their application with a predominantly, for example, white um, and full name. So let's say like mm-hmm. James Knight or something. Mm-hmm. And he's and he sent his application and he got a callback. No, and then mm-hmm. after he sent the same application but only with a different minor tweaks to his name, and he never got a callback at all. Um, and, and there was some sort of like uh, sort of follow-up studies where they were looking into this and they were seeing how there seems to be some some sort of bias. Now that you're on the on the other end, how do you do you feel that that's true? I unfortunately I I, I think that that's true, and I find out that that's true um, in my journey. I I can tell you something. There is two types of people: the people that actually is very pro uh, diversity and inclusion yeah. and the ones that are not yeah. and yeah i mean from mouth from from the mouth to outside a lot of people say yeah you know we are agree on diversity and inclusion we are trying to um promote um diversity and equality but then the reality is when they interview people from different backgrounds and they have the same kind of set of skills. So many times they do prefer the one that is a national or it's someone that has that white or, um, uh, I don't know, the, the, the British uh, last name. And I, it's, I mean, it's sad to say, but that's, in my opinion, that's still happening. Not probably as much as before, yeah. But I still feel that it's still happening. I still have meetings where I hear conversations that are very inappropriate because people is still being racist. Yeah. And um, yeah, and it's just the way it is. And you can see it through the votation of Brexit. You can see things like that where, you know, it's just a reality uh, that we live in. And yeah. that's, that's the way it is. Now, as a, as, as a listener, for example... Um, a young Latino or Latina, and I'm listening to this. Um, what can I do, you know, to sort of put myself in a better position? Obviously, you're saying that it's probably not as much as it used to be before, and, and I agree with that. I think that it's possibly not as much as it was before. Um, but you know, obviously, your, your example is that you 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 carried on persisting and you still knocked down those those doors but what advice would you give to someone who maybe is going through the same struggle um they graduated maybe they even got the top grade but still they're finding it very difficult to enter the job market um obviously people will say well now it's covid but you know this is obviously a situation pre-covid that people have also found but what piece of advice would you give them well there is a lot of piece of advice the first piece of advice is get educated as much as you can the more education you have the more competitive you can become mm-hmm. um, and focus as well on what 
at your strengths, know your weaknesses. I think sometimes people don't realize that we all have uniqueness in us. So I don't speak the same way that you speak, yeah. even if we are both Latinos yeah. and we have different backgrounds and different experiences. So I think that um, my biggest advice will be don't look what makes you the same to others to compete. Um, instead of really highlight the things that make you unique and because you have a different voice, you have a different experience, you have a different background. So I think that's another piece of advice. Uh, get educated, get uh, yourself your unique points that will sell in some, so many, I'm sure there are so many opportunities that won't be for everybody, but also be persistent, um, be creative. I mean, it doesn't mean that because one door is not the one for you, that doesn't mean that all the doors are closed for you. It doesn't mean that if in London you won't find an opportunity, that doesn't mean that in Manchester you won't find an opportunity. It doesn't mean that if you don't find it in finance, that doesn't mean that you cannot find it in hospitality. Yeah. So I think it's, it's a lot of pieces of advice, um, but I think that the, the one that for me have made the difference is that I stop looking at what makes me being in disadvantage with the British or the Europeans. I start really focusing on what makes me um, unique and different and that I can offer that other people cannot offer. And I think that that was for me what served me the most. Okay. Yeah, no, no, thank you for that. Um, yeah, I agree. And I, I think that it very much is about trying to highlight what's different about us and what's unique. Um, sometimes, you know, it can be quite difficult to, especially if you're starting out in a career, trying to do that because there's probably not much you've done, um, especially when yeah. you've just started. But, but I think there's definitely uh, more of an attitude thing, you know, how do you see it? Um, it can be challenging, but we've all got our own our own experiences and, and you know, your experience is, is an example of of someone who yeah, had those same limits, those same barriers, and possibly even more considering how, you know, when it was, you know, was it, uh, several years ago, um, yeah. but you still managed to, to go forward. So also, you know, you, you've not only worked in business and finance as a Latino, but as a Latino, you've also um, set up, you know, started your own business. And mm -hmm. I think in general, um, Latin Americans are very business savvy, very entrepreneurial. Mm -hmm. My own perspective is that from what I've seen around me, Latin American women are very entrepreneurial. Um, even yeah. much more, especially in my experience, much more than, than Latin, Latin American men. Obviously this isn't a, a hard fact, it's just a, a, a view, right? But mm -hmm. I, I feel like your, your example is a good case of well, your 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 experience is a good example of someone who not only worked uh, but found that they want to start their own business. So for someone who's a Latino who's trying to start their own business, who maybe you know they they just don't have that experience or don't understand how to, what what was it for you that did it that you said okay I want to start my own business, uh, I'm going to start building this yeah your your your, your company. So how how did you go around doing that? Well, it was again, it was an accident. I lost 
my job and that forced me to be ready before I was ready. Right. Um, but I think for many people who want to start their business, they always said to me, when is ready, Betty? When are you ready? And I always, my answer is always like, you're never ready. Yeah. You will never be never ready. I think that sometimes you have the idea and then sometimes you just have to jump and then get ready through the journey. Um, so my experience was was like that, as I said to you. I wasn't ready. It was always on my mind. I always wanted to be having my own company. I just didn't really knew how I was going to do it, what I was going to be doing, what industry I was going to be working on. Mm-hmm. And um, somehow life kind of started putting me like the, the financial industry. Then I started working in recruitment. It kind of fit very well into my personality and the way I like to work. And, and then after when the company was uh, closed, basically, um, then I was forced to either way find a new job or start my own company. And I jump into the second. I have some savings on at that moment. I felt a lot more confident because I've been working for a while now. I knew how to do new business development for other companies. So I, I was more confident about doing my own. Yeah. I... Uh, my English was a lot better than before and I had a big network as well so I think kind of all the things kind of came together and then I thought okay well even if I'm not 100% ready I think I I, I need to start doing this or otherwise I will never do it and that's how it happened um, and it, it's been a journey I think everybody who is an entrepreneur uh, has been into ups and downs it's not all roses and butterflies uh, there are so many times where you have to really deal with things that uh, are unexpected i've been running my own company now for eight years and i can tell you it's been a tough tough journey mm-hmm. but in the other hand it's also been really rewarding um and and it's just it's a matter always to be reinventing yourself constantly and adapting and learning and keep on learning and on, on your clients um, and also it's been also learning that it's not what you think is the correct way it's many times it's, it's a different way and you have to learn it otherwise you sink yeah. so it's about swimming really and learning how to swim every day and on different waters yeah. yeah yeah no definitely so you know you you've obviously started now your business and but what challenges did you have you found um oh. you know in general as a especially you know and I guess there's a lot of this sort of that is always put out in the media how, um, you know, women tend to find it more difficult in the workplace, and especially if you're leading your own company and as a Latina, mm-hmm. if you're doing business in predominantly English-speaking uh, regions, have you found that there was like yeah. a, like barriers and challenges there? Oh, many, many. Diego. I mean, I can. I mean, we can be here a hundred hours telling you my my obstacles, yeah. but I tell you the biggest ones definitely has been. Organization. I think that when you work for other companies, you kind of follow a structure. When you work for yourself, you really have to create your own way on how you work better. Mm-hmm. If it's like that means waking up earlier or staying late, or if you prefer working from home or in an office alone or with a team and being a solo or having a partner. I mean, you know, you have to really trial and error everything that you do organization of your time very important uh, secondly another obstacle is that sometimes you partner with the wrong people and I have that happened to me and that was very painful experience and very 
challenging, but right. that was another thing I had to learn uh, in the hard way that sometimes um, you really need to know very well who you partner with if you ever are looking to look for more than uh, one founder. Yeah. Um, and another obstacle, or not obstacle, but challenge, has been also that the industry, the industry change, yeah. and what was recruitment and, and the roles that were in the past, um, they're changing because now people are looking more for roles um, in digital marketing, uh, in engineering, in in building data and intelligence products and in the past that didn't exist so i mean a long time ago when i started working those roles weren't just we were they were very new and nobody really wanted to study that or work on that and right now they're really the roles that uh, everybody's looking for so the industry change you change as a business owner because you need to adapt to the new demands and if you don't adapt then you're gonna you know you're you're not gonna survive mm-hmm. um and also you need to learn from the comp for the competition i mean you you have to really keep on learning um on how the others are doing so you can also like upgrade your services and you know what makes you unique you know so there's so many different things and also um the other answer will be it's challenging as well because, as you said, um, I'm not British, mm-hmm. although I'm British now. Mm-hmm. Um, it will always you will always have people that prefer to work with British mm-hmm. <laughs> rather than with a Latino British. Yeah. And there is a lot of companies also that have male that just want to work with male, mm-hmm. and they don't see you um, seriously enough or professionally enough mm-hmm. um so sometimes you have to deal with all of that but i mean the beauty of my my business is that i work with people and and for people and so you find great clients that are open-minded that want to include people and work with diversity and inclusion and you also have clients that don't want to do that and that's it you choose also who you want to work with and who you don't want to work with yeah yeah, yeah. no very true very true. So, you know, you obviously had a lot of experience um, as, a, as an employee, also as a business owner. What, what piece of advice, <clears throat> sorry, what piece of advice, you know, would you give to, especially considering it's Hispanic Heritage Month, to to one of our listeners, um, you know, just to, to sort of kickstart their, their career journey? Because, I mean, for you, like you said, you weren't very sure entirely what you wanted to do and it sort of happened and you've gone with the momentum and you've made it sort of grow more and more and more. But, you know, was there, was there like a, a, a switch or a moment where where your perspective on what you wanted to do and how you wanted to, you know, to, to see your life change and go, you know, change for the better? Was there like a moment for you in that way? and? If so, um, you know, how, how would you sort of use that maybe to, to encourage the young people who listen to us or just our general listeners? Well, there have been a few moments where I have, um, there, there, there have been a few moments, I don't know exactly, exactly the day that happened, but sometimes you think that your uh, life or your business go one way and then it's a di- right direction. And for example, I can give you 
right now one example mm-hmm. when this covid situation um happened and the pandemic happened starting in march in back in uk um my business was really affected directly because a lot of my clients didn't want to recruit yeah. and and so that had really pushed me to first of all be again questioning myself is this what i really want to do for 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 forever mm-hmm. and and also is there a demand for this but then also had put me into a position where i had to reinvent again to learn a lot more about different roles because if i cannot do the roles that i used to do then i have to learn how to do other roles you know so these have been moments where you know where you think that things are working and then somehow you just have to have option b or learn something else to kind of keep going uh, and that has been one of them the latest one definitely has been in march when when start covid and i my business was directly um affected throughout recruitment but again finding new opportunities now i'm looking back and think okay now this has pushed me to learn a lot more about digital roles and so the plan now is definitely work on those now and to also um venture a new um idea that i have with a friend of developing uh, well well-being um workshops for companies Um, because of the same situation that people at the moment are losing a lot of their mental uh, well-being and companies need a lot more support. So that has also been some ideas that I have been trying to work on in the past that now are becoming more, more reality because I have the time to work on them and also because I see a lot more demand in the market. Um, and the biggest, answering to your other question regarding uh, the advice, I have many advices, but I think... The number one advice is um, try to find opportunities. I think that people always, um, most of the people I listen to, they sometimes said to me, look, Betty, it's very hard for me. This is very difficult. And for all of us, it's very difficult. But if you focus on the difficult part and not what this is teaching you, why it's so painful and what you can learn from this and how can you do differently, how can you go and find opportunities, you will never find them. You're going to be a big team forever and you i mean it's hard for everybody diego it's not easy for me as it's not easy for you and it's not easy for everybody who's listening to us mm-hmm. we all have our own challenges we all have our own um little stones yeah. and our little victories but i think the important and the biggest advice would be if one door closes for you doesn't mean that it's the only one yeah. go and try to find another one and be open open 100% to different markets, different cities, different opportunities. Don't stalk yourself that if one doesn't work, then that's it, this is the end. If you really want something, go for it and try to find a way to make it happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think there's definitely something around the mentality. Um, I think it's very true that, you know, at some point, you know, we're all going to be on the receiving end of, of something, you know, that we don't wish for and you could sort of, class yourself as a victim I guess in that in that in that situation but like you said um, it very much is about changing mentality and realizing that yes times are difficult yes there's a lot of challenges yes there's a lot of barriers but ultimately if you sort of stick with those reasons or causes it doesn't really ultimately change anything it doesn't change anything for the better and if exactly. you really want to change things for the better ultimately it comes down to you 
Um, and so, no, I definitely agree. I think that that there it is necessary to have a shift in mentality, um, an opportunity to to push, to push further, and to you know just carry on, create create opportunities. Sometimes opportunities aren't going to be there. But that's how most businesses start up. That's how most ideas get created because they're innovations. They're something, someone sees a need that no one's created and they create it and, you know, it hits and then people like it. Um, exactly. Exactly, yeah. So, so no, I, I agree and thank you for that because I think, um, you know, we definitely, as a community, as a Latin American community, in general, we're very, very entrepreneurial. We're very... Um, we're very ambitious as a community you know we want to obviously succeed and i think something that needs to be reinstated and sort of uh you know sort of said more is that we need to be much more dedicated and willing to knock down those those doors when, when create an opportunity um challenges mm -hmm. are always going to be there but we can we can definitely push forward and make something out of our lives mm -hmm. yeah yeah totally totally Okay, so I also wanted to, you know, to get to know more about about you. So in terms of what are your passions? Because you know, obviously <laughs> you are you know, you've got the business. You do a lot of, of things in general. But what what is your what's your you know your daily your, your passion? What drives you? Wow, I mean, what drives me? So many things. Uh, um, I'm very lucky, and I said lucky because I think that I'm glad to have multi-passion life. Yeah. Um, I'm passionate about uh, work. I love, actually, I actually like working. Yeah. I like sitting down, calling clients, trying to help them, finding the right candidate for them, getting my money and living with it. Yeah. I think that really, really, I'm really passionate about that. Yeah. But I'm also very passionate about public speaking. I love. Um, so many universities um, asked me to be a guest speaker and, and tell my story. Um, and that also have been becoming really, I become really passionate about being a speaker also because first I think that I, I can talk from my experience. It's not something that I read in a book. Um, it's not something I learned at university. It's something I have lived um, throughout my life. And so my life experience have inspired a lot of students and so many people. And for me, that has been also becoming a purpose. Yeah. So I'm very passionate about sharing my story, talking about leadership, talking about entrepreneurship. Um, so super passionate about that. Also passionate about helping projects of education for kids in Latin America. Mm -hmm. It's something that is very close to my heart because one of the things I learned when I was in England, when, when I started my life in England, was that the only kind of commodity that I have that nobody could take away from me was education. I could lose the flat, I could lose my boyfriend, I could lose whatever, but I could never lose what I've learned. So I realized really very early in my life that education was my biggest um, power, what was my, my biggest commodity that I have and possess. And so, I mean, I cannot tell you I'm super well educated, but I try constantly to be very curious about learning new things constantly. And podcasts, uh, books, um, languages, I meet people, I ask about the stories, how they make this business work. So I'm a very curious person and I love learning. So that also has been I think one of the things that I'm, I'm I'm super passionate about learning about people, learning about stories. Yeah. Um, passionate about people and passionate about uh, definitely sports. That has also been a biggest part of my life, and is having a focus on something else apart from work. 
and that help my well-being and my physical uh, strength. So I think if you have a, a strong mind and a strong body, you definitely have a strong mind. And I think that one of the things I am very passionate is practicing sports mm-hmm. and um, well-being practices like journaling and meditation. Yeah. Okay. And I'm just, that obviously helps you with, you know, uh, relaxing. But at the same time, you need to work, being able to work hard because you're, you know, you very much got a balance going on. Yes, you've got to have a balance. Uh, the moment you you have you lose your balance, then the moment you start don't liking what you do, um, and I think it's very important for entrepreneurs or business for anybody for anyone is to have a life balance. Um, and I think that the more you have that balance in your life, the more you can carry on doing every project you want to do because you have the energy to do so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you mentioned also purpose, and I think that's something very. Uh, very interesting because you know purpose is, is sort of the, that realization that you realize that that realization that this is what I'm meant to do which is very different mm-hmm. from wanting to do something just for the sake of wanting to do it you know purpose yeah. is more of like a calling how did you yeah. find your purpose sir? oh wow uh, what, do you know yeah. <laughs> do you know that's such a such a deep question um Look, I, I'm still on a journey of finding my purpose. Yeah. And I'm four years old and still think I still find my purpose. I think the calling has always I I mean there is a there's a speech of Steve Jobs that yeah. is beautiful about um about life that he gave to Stratford University a couple of years ago before he died. Mm-hmm. And I think that when your heart and it sounds very cheesy, but I think that's for me it's true. Mm-hmm. I think the purpose is always knocking your door inside your brain and your heart mm-hmm. um i think we all have a different purpose but the moment we connect more with that silence with that call um listening to to you to your passions to what makes you happy to what makes you your heartbeat does think that that's different answer for you that it is for me that it is for everybody who's listening to this podcast mm-hmm. um I'm super connected. I always been very connected to education, mm-hmm. um, and so that's for me. It's always been like a call that I really would like to, in the future, keep on working on projects for education for kids that don't have privilege uh, to be able to have access to education. Um, but again, you never have the full answer. It's not that you wake up one day and it's like, oh my god, this is my purpose. Yeah. I think it's a constant questioning yourself. Mm-hmm. Why do I feel passionate about? What makes me, uh, what turns me on in life? What makes me feel happy to do without being paid? If I don't get paid for this, what would I be, what I'll be doing? And that's, I think, a lot of the answers that will come with those kind of questions is what your purpose is in this world. Yeah, 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 I agree. I think sometimes we do need that, that moment of, of uh, introspection and just being able to, to really think uh, and like you said, listen to, to to what we really like and listen to, to those thoughts because sometimes we can, you know, sort of block out some of these things that, you know, we sort of know that are a passion of ours, but we sort of, for some reason, don't give it time, we don't nurture it. Um, we sort of just go on and do other things and then years go by and then we realise that, you know, we're now, we're now later in life and we've not really done what, what, what used to be, what was our passion. So, totally. so I agree. Yeah, it, it very much does require some some introspection, and it's definitely not just a one 
one moment everything appears. So I mean, yeah, I know. it could be maybe for someone, but I guess in general, <laughs> I think it's more of a sort of gradual um, increasing of knowledge that this is what you want to do. Yeah, and I and I also think that it's not for everybody. I don't think everybody is asking for the questions of what the purpose is. I've met many people in my life that don't want to ask themselves what's their purpose, and that's totally fine. At the beginning, I was quite shocked because I was like, "Oh my god!" But I am asking this question every day: "What's my purpose? What's my purpose?" And I met many people that actually live a life without wanting to find out what their purpose is. They just like a job and they do their job, and that's yeah. that's it. They they don't have those questions, but for those like me or you that are having those questions, I think that we 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 want to have more meaningful life, and we want to um, serve this world in a different way. And I think it's very important that you keep on asking those questions all your life because your purpose can always change. You know, you can you can have the purpose to do this today, but maybe you change and your purpose change. So it's important always to keep on asking, um, you know, the, the questions about what makes you happy, what what are your skills to serve this world, mm-hmm. and and then you will find your answers throughout the journey. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you also spent some time, you know, you obviously spent time in London, the UK for a substantial amount of time, but you obviously also spent time with the Latin American community in the UK mm-hmm. so you were well you were part of it but you also got to experience it as well with others mm-hmm. um, what do you think is one of the challenges that, that as a community especially I guess more specifically to the UK that we face as a community wow what a great question I'm I think first of all the the biggest um, I think challenge is that people don't want to learn English and I, I know it sounds quite shocking, but it is the way it is. I met many people from the community and they don't speak English and they've been in England for, for several years. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's the biggest, biggest barrier and challenge that people face, that they still live in a country where everybody speaks English and where the big opportunities come speaking English and they still don't want to learn English. Mm-hmm. And also not getting advantage of all the possibilities that this British community also give to the community. There's opportunities to learn the language, there's opportunities to work, there's opportunities to travel. And a lot of people in Latin America sometimes are just talking like limitation beliefs, limiting beliefs. And then I think also the biggest challenge is that sometimes we as a community think that um, that's it. Let's do a business that is just for the community. And a lot of businesses are very limited because they don't want to kind of uh, break the barriers to go and also sell to to British or to Europeans mm-hmm. and I think it's very important that we stop those limiting beliefs that we cannot do it because we are foreigners because we are not British I think it's very important that we be preparing ourselves to bring our Latino products our Latino services um, and our work to other countries uh, and I think that that's uh, where I think that it's, it's more like the barriers that we need to kind of cross um, to grow. Yeah, no, I, I've seen the, like you, I've seen also the challenge, I guess. Like, I think sometimes it can be a mixture of a challenge, but also in some cases a reluctance from people to want to learn English as well. Um, mm-hmm. And it could be 
for many reasons, but I guess the most importantly, the, the thing is that it does create issues in that if you can't speak English, unfortunately in the UK, it's going to be very hard for you to to increase or, you know, um, sort of progress on the socioeconomic ladder because, you know, you're just going to be doing a specific job consistently. Um, Completely. Yeah. Completely. You know, from, from your from your sort of perspective, do you think, you know, what, what do you sort of feel like was the patterns among the people that you saw who didn't want to, um, you know, learn English or sort of felt like they were sort of like hopeless in, in progressing? Well, well, the thing is this, Diego, if you don't learn the language, um, you will always be, um, you wouldn't have access to all the things that uh, Great Britain have for you. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You, you will never. And I think um, one is the language, but also, again, the limiting beliefs and the education. There is, and again, there is a lot of challenging, um, it's not easy for us, for sure, but we be, is it's becoming easier the moment you start learning a language and the more because the the moment you learn the language you can communicate you can find an opportunity that it can be better and you can create those opportunities by learning the language and writing the language yeah. you cannot really as you said you cannot really progress enough or, or much if you are not learning it because you're you probably will just be working on this um labor kind of force jobs that like, like cleaning which doesn't mean that it's bad or good i just think that so many people that come they just stay there forever because they they don't want to learn the language and to progress to maybe think okay well now after cleaning an office let's say three years maybe i can go and work and and create my own cleaning company you know yeah. so all those things i think that they really really i mean they that the learning of the language definitely is a big advantage because it opens you to a new world. It opens you to a world where you are. If you are in England, the only way to really get opportunities is to speak in the language. There is no other way. You know, they're not going to learn the Spanish to to give you the opportunity. So You've got to learn it. Yeah. 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 Oh, very true. Um, so something that is very useful, something that we've been doing on these episodes because it's Hispanic Heritage Month, is that I've been asking um, our guests to name or to sort of who, who inspires them, right? But the catch here is um, it can't be one of your parents, um, but I guess, so it has to be someone else. Um, but, they, but, you know, hopefully, given that the theme is Hispanic Heritage Month, of, that they need to be of Latin American origin. Um, who is it? And it has to be Latin American? Yeah, or Latin American origin. Wow. Wow, let me let me think. Because um, I had someone that inspired me, but is that not Latin American? Yeah. Um, my father, but I know I can answer that. Um, so let me think. Um, from Latin America. I think, well, uh, probably... Um, Wow. There, there is a, several people that I admire for sure. Yeah. Um, but I think probably Garcia Marquez is someone that inspires me right. because um, 
we weren't on the map in literature. I think, you know, we didn't have really writers in this country. And he dared to create stories of, like, you know, like this, this surrealism stories, realism stories. Mm -hmm. And, and he created those, those stories that became really famous and uh, translated in every single language. And we, we are in the map in many countries. People know, um, Garcia Marquez because I mean because of his stories yeah. so for me what is inspiring is that someone um, that you know had no support or anything just became so important for the Latin American uh, literature and international literature um, just because he believed in himself he believed in his stories and he just make it you know so I really admire that um, Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah okay thank you thank you for that Betty um, okay so we're entering the final portion of, um, of today's episode uh, something that I wanted to ask is you know you, you, you've obviously well, you, you've got experience in, in, in your field you work as a headhunter you know what, what would you like to see for the Latin American community in the UK for example if you could see so like, let's say you had like a wish right and you had like a wish and something that you could say, okay, well, this is what I'd like to see for the community in the UK. What would it be and why? Well, I think that what I wish is that we have same opportunities. If I, I mean, if all these legal um, papers weren't in the map and if it, this was my wish, I wish for all the Latinos to have the same opportunities that the British and the Europeans. Um, and why? Because I think that there is so many Latinos uh, that are very well educated. I also feel that there is hard work people, most of them, and people that can definitely add up into a lot of the workforce in England. And so I feel that sometimes just because you don't have the passport, you are completely out of the 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 scope for opportunities. And I think that will be my wish that despite the nationality where you come from, your color and everything that you have the same kind of chances in life. I think that that's why it will be my wish. Yeah. Well, that would be, I think it would definitely be something very good for the community. I think, um, thankfully, things are looking brighter for the community. You know, we've got a lot of um, young people coming through the community going to university going into jobs um very determined from the people i've spoken to and i think the future of the latin american community in the uk from what i've seen is in, is in safe hands so i think it's just a case of motivating them encouraging them pushing them you know giving them support um when they need it because ultimately you know we needed support as well when we started out and i think it can be very difficult to to find find your first job like you said you know you just to find your first job just to even understand to get some experience it can be very hard so mm -hmm. so yeah so i think we obviously have a, have a role as well to, to play in, in in how everything goes for for the community in the future in the uk mm -hmm. um finally uh just before i let you go um mm -hmm. i have one last thing that i want to ask you of course what would you say to the Betty who left Colombia at 18 after so many years, um, what would you say to her that you've learned 
uh, maybe she had a doubt when she when she left or something. What, what what lesson would you say that you've learned over these these last years? That is most well. I learned many, Diego. It's, it's a very difficult question because I've learned so many things now in my 40s. But I will say to the Betty of 18 years old, to be more humble, to be more open, and to be less dramatic because life... and to be prepared more to, to the obstacles. I think when I was here in Colombia, I really wasn't prepared for so many obstacles. I think that I had a very safe kind of bubble life um, my my parents gave me everything and never really had to work for much and I, I was never really ready for kind of facing that life is is challenging and that people can let you down and that can people kind of steal from you and a lot of things that are not just negative but they're just life lessons and I think I will say to Betty um, just be more humble because life changes sometimes you have sometimes you don't and you need to learn how to Uh, just be always with your feet on, over the ground mm -hmm. and also I will tell her that be be more prepared um, and be also and uh, be less dramatic about difficulties because you know you've got so many times to just learn that earlier in your life just okay you know you've got to move on from pain and difficult times because if you don't the more you stay on those the more it's painful for you So the, the, the quicker you let go on what you don't have the power on, um, circumstances that are out of your hands, the, the, the easier you move on to the next opportunity. You know, that's what I will think I will say that to the Betty uh, that was younger. Thank you. Thank you very much, Betty. No, yeah, my pleasure. To talk to you today. Um, thank you for coming on, for giving your time. There's definitely a lot of um, a lot we can take from this conversation. Like you said, uh, life lessons, um, the real lessons that you learn in life that you know they come hard and fast at you. So thank you for for sharing those with us. Um, thank you. For anyone who wants to to you know get in contact with you or follow your your Instagram or page, how, how can they do that? Well, they can definitely follow me on Instagram. I'm not an influencer or anything like that, <laughs> but my Instagram is Betty Encinales, mm -hmm. like my last name. And yeah, I'm there and on LinkedIn. And also, yeah, they can just follow me on also Twitter. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Betty, for coming on. Thank you, Diego, so much for the invitation. Really a pleasure to be part of this. And I really hope that we, with this conversation, we can actually inspire other people like us that are trying to make it in England as well. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you, Betty. Thank you. Thank you to everyone who's lis who listened to this uh, podcast episode. Um, we have more episodes coming for this series of Hispanic Heritage Month. Thank you for tuning in. Remember, you can find us on all podcast platforms by searching British Latino Network. And you can also find us on our website by searching www.britishlatinonetwork.co.uk. It's been Diego here. Thank you for joining. Bye-bye.